بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی علیہ رسول الکریم اماباد الحمد للہ چنائی از دا سکسٹینتھ آف نومبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری کمپلیٹڈ دا سیکنڈ ویک دا the illustrious and blessed life of the eminent companion Sayyidina Abu Hurairah and I'm on the subsection in which we're now taking a glimpse into his deep love for our beloved messenger so in a hadith recorded in Imam Malik's Mawatta 1-208 in the chapter on the Quran Sayyidina Abu Hurairah he relates I was once walking with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he heard a person reciting قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ Upon this Rasulullah responded sallallahu alayhi wa sallam وَجَبَتْ It has become incumbent. I thereupon asked مَاذَا يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهُ What is that I that has become incumbent O Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He said, Al-Jannah, Paradise. Sayyidina Abu Huraira added, Aradtu an adhaba ilayhi fa'ubashira. I wanted to go to that person and convey the glad tidings to him. Thumma falaktu an yafutanil ghada'u ma'a Rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But, I feared missing out on lunch with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. فَآثَرْتُ الْغَدَاتَ مَعَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And I preferred having lunch with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I then went looking for the man, but saw he had already gone. So let's look at this. So this is an authentic hadith in Imam Malik's Muwatta. So note how many times do you hear this? I was walking with Rasulullah. You get the impression that he's just with the Prophet all the time. Why? Because he's Ashab al-Suf. And then they passed by a person. Who was this person? We don't know. But the person was reciting Surah Ikhlas. So the Prophet, he said, Wajabat. I incumbent. So Abu Huraira said, What is incumbent, Ya Rasulullah? He goes, Paradise. So think about that. The recital of Surah Ikhlas, if you do it sincerely, makes you worthy for paradise. So Abu Huraira, and this is the point, Abu Huraira then said, I wanted to go to that person. Why? Because if the Prophet said, paradise is obligatory, won't you want to go and give him the glad tidings? But, I feared missing out on lunch with Rasulullah. And I preferred having lunch with Rasulullah. And lunch obviously means whatever, you know, it doesn't mean lunch we have. Maybe a few dates, whatever. After he said, I looked for the man, but he had gone. So what does that tell you? Nothing came in the way of his love for the Prophet. He wanted to give the glad tidings to that man, but he goes, I feared I'd miss out being with the Prophet. So Surah Ikhlas obviously is a very dear Surah to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What's strange about the Surah? It's called Surah Ikhlas. So why is that strange? 
because the word ikhlas is not in the surat. <laughs> if you read surat ikhlas, there's no word ikhlas. So Hassan al-Basri, he explained the wisdom. Hassan al-Basri, rahmatullah, said, the reason it's called ikhlas, sincerity, is because it doesn't talk about anything of this world or the next. I think about that. That's a quiz question. Is there a surat in the Quran that doesn't talk about anything to do with the world? And at the same time, it has nothing, it doesn't mention anything about the next. You know, you think, all the Quran must be talking about that. No. Surah Ikhlas only talks about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Hassan al-Bashri explained in Ibn Jadid in his tafsir why it's called Ikhlas. Because it's only talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you recite it, to mention one virtue, the hadith is in Ibn As-Sini and Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi graded it Hassan. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Whoever recites Surah Ikhlas ten times, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will uh, build for him a palace in paradise. So this is an authentic report. Allah ta'ala will give you a palace. So how easily can we, you know, build palaces in paradise? You know, ten Surah Ikhlases. And another report in Abu Ya'la ibn Katir's tafsir, whoever recites Surah Ikhlas ten times after the Fadr prayer, then he can go to paradise through whichever gate he wishes. <laughs> so the, another habit is you should recite Surah Ikhlas ten times after the Fadr, you know, including your other zikrs as well. So again, it's an incredible Surah. But one recital enough is enough for you to go to paradise. Think about that. The Prophet said, Wajabat. <laughs> Then there's the famous narration of the hallowed sandals. And you'll understand why. So this narration is recorded in Sayyid Muslim, number 147, in the chapter on Iman. Mishkat, volume 1, number 27, in the chapter on Belief. Sayyidina Abu Huraira, radiyallahu, he relates. A group of us were sitting around Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Abu Bakr and Umar were also with us. So Abu Hurair is narrating, he goes, we were sitting with the Prophet the two sheikhs were also there. Rasulullah suddenly got up. He left us and he stayed away from us for a long time. So something happened. We thus became wooded that he might have been harmed by some enemy. Thus we panicked. We got up. And I was the first one to do so. So think about it. They were all now really worried. Who was the first to get up? Abu Huraira. He said it himself, even though the sheikhs were sitting there. Hence I went out searching for the Rasulullah until I came to a walled orchard belonging to the Ansar of Banu An-Najjar. So stop in the report. So why is he looking in orchards? Because Rasulullah loved to be in orchards. He would offer his optional prayers there. But there was greenery and privacy. So he went into the section of the Ansar who he was related to, Banu An-Najjar. He said, I encircled the orchard looking for a gate, but I could not find any. I then noticed that there was a small stream that entered through a hole in the wall coming from a well outside the orchard. Hence, I drew myself together, I like a fox, and I entered upon Rasulullah. 
think about that. How frail must you be to get into a small hole where water is entering an orchard? He goes, I gathered myself. He goes, I got in. He thereupon said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Abu Huraira, Radiyallahu. I said, Naam Ya Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He then inquired, Ma Sha'anuk, what is the matter with you? And I related everything to him. And I added, I drew myself together like a fox, and those people are also behind me searching for your blessed self. So the Prophet is saying, first of all, how did you enter? <laughs> and then he explained, because you know, I, was, I had to get through a small hole, Ya Rasulullah. Others are looking for you. He thereupon said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, O Abu Huraira, take these two sandals of mine, and whoever you meet beyond the wall, who bears witness that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah, Subhanahu wa ta'ala, with certainty in his heart, give him the glad tidings of paradise. So stop in the report. So it's very important to quote the hadith correctly. The Prophet takes his sandals off, gives it to Abu Huraira. Why is he doing that? He doesn't mention in the hadith. So why do you think he's doing that? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Normally, he gives something to prove something. Yes. Yeah. But why was it important that he gave sandals here? Because Abu is going to go and tell something to someone and he's going to have that as proof. Sort of thing. Good. So proof is needed when you are going to hear something which is hard to believe. <laughs> the, the Prophet would have just told him to say it. So obviously, the Prophet, you know, he knew that people are going to find this hard to believe. So what did he tell him to say? He goes, anybody you come across who believes in la ilaha illallah with the condition, certainty in his heart. Give him glad tidings of paradise. So imagine Abu Huraira is thinking, subhanAllah, is that it? <laughs> As fate would have it, the first one whom I met was Umar, who said, Ma hatanin ya Abu Huraira. What are these two sandals of Abu Huraira? So what's Umar doing? He's looking for the Prophet. But he sees the Prophet's sandals. He goes, what, what are you doing with the sandals? So Abu Huraira explained everything. He thought, MashaAllah, you know, the first person, because of honor given to Umar, he told him everything. <laughs> and he was expecting Umar to say, Jazakallah khair. Then Abu Huraira said, Umar struck me on the chest so hard that I fell down on my back. <laughs> he then said, Irji, ya Abu Huraira, return. Oh, Abu Huraira. Mm. So think about that. Is that a normal reaction? If somebody says to you, if you truly believe in La ilaha illallah, paradise is obligatory for you. I'll tell you, stay I'll say, Alhamdulillah. Which one of us will strike the person? You, as if they think, what are you talking about? So Abu, he goes, Irji, go back, oh Abu Huraira. Thus I returned on the verge of tears, and Umar was following me closely. <laughs> so. He's going, Umar is following him. Rasulullah upon seeing me, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, Ma laqaya Abu Huraira. What is the money with you? Oh, Abu Huraira. So Abu Huraira narrated everything. Because you told me to do this. I came across Umar. I told him, he punched me. The Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, thereupon said, Ya Umar, Ma hamalaka ala ma fa'alt. Oh, Umar, what made you do this? 
Umar radiyallahu said, Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, may my father and mother be sacrificed for you. Did you send Abu Huraira with this task? And he told him what he had told him. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, yes. Umar radiyallahu thereupon said, فَلَا تَفْعَلْ فَإِنِّي أَخْشَى أَنْ يَتَّقِلَ النَّاسُ عَلِيهَا فَخَلِّهِمْ يَعَمَلُونَ Do not do that. For I fear that the people will then rely only on this statement. Let them carry on striving to do good deeds. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he thereupon said, فَخَلِّهِمْ Then let them, O Umar. So this is the full report. So now obviously, on the face of it, you're thinking, why has Umar intervened here? Or got in the way of a command of the Prophet So, before going to that, what did the Prophet finally say? Let them continue doing good deeds. So Umar was fearing. Umar was fearing that once a person is told that you'll stop doing good deeds. You're guaranteed paradise. If I'm guaranteed paradise, the foot goes off the pedal, you relax. And the Prophet goes, let them do continue and do good deeds. So, we must make our exertions but at the same time, relying upon our loving Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala and implore him to make our means successful. So now this question is very important. And Umar also had some other knowledge of this. In Imam Ahmed in his Mustad, Sharh al-Sunnah al-Bidayah, Mishkat, volume 4, number 651W, in the chapter on intercession and the fountain. Sayyidina Anas, he relates that our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Verily Allah, the Almighty and Glorious, Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, has graciously promised me, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, to admit 400,000 of my Ummah into paradise without reckoning. So the Prophet gave glad tidings, because 400,000 have been given the fortunate honor to enter paradise without reckoning. Abu Bakr thereupon responded, Radiyallahu, Ya Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, increase our number. He, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then with a smile, he said, it will be thus, I, in increase, then he spread his palms and joined them. So Rasulullah said, it's been increased because you asked, O Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr thereupon said again, increase our number, Ya Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Prophet said, it will be thus. He increased it again. Umar then looking at Abu Bakr, he said, enough, O Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr then turned to Umar and said, what is wrong with you? Can you not imagine that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will admit us all into paradise without reckoning? Do you find that difficult? Umar said, no, undoubtedly. If Allah, the Almighty and Glorious, wishes to admit his creation into paradise all at the same time, he may certainly do so. But people on hearing this will misunderstand, they'll become idle in their deeds. Rasulullah remarked, Indeed, Umar has spoken the truth. <laughs> so let's look at this. So this is explaining. So Rasulullah was 400,000 without reckoning. Abu Bakr, now what was the intention of Abu Bakr. He wanted Rasulullah to say all of the Ummah will enter paradise without reckoning. 
That was his intention. He wasn't going to stop. So he did it three times. He's increasing Ya Rasulullah. The Prophet makes dua, he's increased. I don't know how much by. Increase Ya Rasulullah. Then Umar realized what Abu Bakr is doing. He goes, enough. So Abu Bakr says to Umar, what's the matter with you? He goes, this is easy for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He goes, yes. But the problem is, if you imagine, in Jummah Khutbah tomorrow, the Imam says, all of you are guaranteed paralyzed. I'll tell you straight, right? How many people misunderstand that? So Rasulullah then said, Umar spoke the truth, meaning he's got understanding, radiyallahu. So now let's take reports. Let's take lessons from these reports. Because not just narrating the hadith, we need to take lessons. The first lesson, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah deep love for our beloved Messenger for he was the first to look for him from the August gathering. So this is the first very important lesson. It doesn't mean he loved the Prophet more than the two sheikhs. But here, he actually was the first. It's an honor for him. Secondly, his knowledge that he would probably be in an orchard. For indeed, he loved to offer salat alone there. He was right. That shows the knowledge of Abu Hurairah. When you're looking for somebody, you start looking for him. You think, where, where do you think he's going to be? Look how well he knew the Prophet because he's going to be in an orchard. Number three. The frailty of Sayyidina Abu Huraira's body, that he managed to squeeze through a hole which would let only a fox in. So again, this is hard to understand, but you've seen foxes. You see the slender holes in the fences they get through. How does a human being do that? So how frail was he? This shows that he was obviously, his body was suffering from the exertions it was, he was given. Four. Our beloved Messenger giving his two blessed sandals to Sayyidina Abu Huraira for the knowledge he would be passing on would of course be hard to believe. So this is important. Is it easy to understand? Misunderstand, sorry, that statement of the Prophet? Yes. So the Prophet wanted the people to make sure that he said that. Now this is very interesting. He gave his sandals. But would it not be correct to say that Rasulullah himself authenticated his own statement? <laughs> if somebody goes, who was the first to authenticate hadith? And one hadith says Abu Bakr. And there is a hadith proving that in Hakim Sahih, Zahabi Sahih, and Shaykh al-Bani Rahmatullah said Sahih. When Rasulullah returned from the Isra and Miraj, Abu Jal approached Abu Bakr. He goes, you know, have you heard about your friend? He goes, what about my friend? And he goes, he went on a winged horse to Jerusalem and then he went into the heavens and he's come back and he, do you believe that? Abu Bakr goes, I don't believe you, but I believe him. Imam Hakim said the first to authenticate hadith was Abu Bakr. But if you look at this report, it was Rasulullah. He gave his own sandals. Meaning, I know people will find my statement hard to believe. This will help them. Number five. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu's foresight that ignorant people may misunderstand this prophetic statement. Thus his reaction to Abu Huraira. He was correct. Now think about it. When Umar punched Abu Huraira on the chest, Abu Huraira, going back to the first session, was he a frail, did he have a frail body? Yes. No. 
What was his body like? Broad. Broad. He was athletic. How strong was Umar? Right? So he knocked him. Sixthly, our beloved Messenger confirmation of Umar's viewpoint. Why? Because somebody could say, well, he was a bit harsh there. Why did he punch him? Because he could have just said, look, let's go back to the Prophet. Let's verify this. Why did Umar do what he did? Because he has a certain trait. Abu Huraira did not take the strike of Abu uh, Umar radiyallahu to heart. How do we know that? Because Anas radiyallahu relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَأَشَدُّهُمْ فِي أَمْرِ اللَّهِ عُمَرِ The firmest in regards to the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Umar. This is in Nasa'i, Tirmidhi, number 3790, Ahmad in his Musnad, 3-184, Mishkat and Udhis. Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi stated Sahih. In As-Sahiha, number 1224. Think about that. In this Sahih Hadith, the Prophet said, nobody can be more firmer in the command of Allah than Umar. Meaning, if you want to meet somebody who doesn't take prisoners, if you swerve from the Shariat anyway, he's going to come down like a ton of bricks. That's what he means. So did Abu Huraira swerve? And the answer is, he didn't swerve. But Umar's nature was like this. So, he didn't take it to heart. He just punched him. He goes, go back to the Prophet. And what's interesting, he followed him. Now what's interesting, Umar asked about the decree as well. Umar. In Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, Ibn Abi Asim in his As-Sunnah, Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullah stated Sahih in his checking of As-Sunnah, number 161 to 166. Sayyidina Umar, he had asked Rasulullah the famous question. Sallallahu alayhi wa Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is it a matter that has already been written or is it a matter that we be ordained as we go? So what was the question? He goes, has everything been written? Meaning we haven't got a say in the matter. Or is it something like it's just happening <laughs> as we go? The Prophet ﷺ said, rather it is a matter that has already been written. It's already done. Umar then said, why should we then exert Ya Rasulullah? If it's written, what's the point of making effort? The Prophet ﷺ said, no. It, i.e. the good, cannot be attained except by striving. Umar radiyallahu thereupon said, we will then strive our utmost, Ya Rasulullah. So look how beautiful the hadith, Sayyid hadith in Ahmad. Umar asked the question, right? He goes, is it written, is it not written? He goes, it's written. So if everything's written, just look at your own self, everything's been written. So what's the first thing that goes to your head? Well, what's the point then? I can't change anything of my, my book. So the Prophet said to Umar, no, don't think like this. The good cannot be gained except by striving. So even though everything's written, for you to acquire good, you have to make effort. Even though everything's written. So if you stop striving, what's that a sign of? You're going the wrong way. So then Umar radiyallahu, he goes, we will then strive our best, Ya Rasulullah, meaning, you've explained, everything's written, but we need to strive. Thus the simple fact of the matter is, 
that one is absolutely free to do whatever he wishes. But the perfect knowledge of our majestic Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala overlaps all this. We're never forced to do anything when the proof's in the pudding. Has anybody forced you to do anything in your life? You do everything you want to do. Do you want to get up for fajr? Does somebody push you out of the bed? It's up to you. You want to give sadaqah? Does anybody force you to get the wallet or put money in the box? It's up to you. Etc. Etc. So how on earth can you utter everything's forced? Your whole life is a testification, nothing's being forced. But Allah Ta'ala's knowledge encompasses your freedom of choice. He knows everything. How true were the words of our beloved messenger when he said, speaking about Qadr, the decree is postponed now and will be done by the worst people of my Ummah in the later generations. This is in Bazar ibn Abi Asim and Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi stated Hassan in As-Sahihah number 1124. So Rasulullah clamped it. You know, you put a clamp on it. Stop talking about Qadr. So nobody talked about it. Then the Prophet said, but eventually in the later generations, people will start talking about it again because they're the worst people. Now, does this mean we can't talk about Qadr? No. The scholars say what the Prophet intended here, was speaking ignorantly about Qadr. You understand? If so, like I'm doing now, hopefully trying to explain what Qadr is. That doesn't mean I'm now amongst the worst of the people. Why? Because I'm not, hopefully, inshallah, not talking ignorantly about Qadr. But if you just talk about Qadr and you slip, you fall into the category of the worst people. That's what the Prophet said, said aloud. Now, what's strange to finish? How strange a scenario. This is very strange. That those who deny Qadr, because look, destiny doesn't make sense. It's illogical. How strange that those who deny Qadr pride themselves on their logic. This is what they're thinking. Look, it doesn't make sense. But Rasulullah had gone on to say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I fear for my ummah after me. The denial of Qadr and belief in the stars. This is in Abu Ya'la, Ibn Asakir, and Shaykh al-Bani Rahmatullah stated Sahih in Sahih al-Jam, number 214 to 215. So look how strange these same fruitcakes who don't believe in Qadr. You see him touching wood. What are you doing? He goes, I, I don't want the I don't want bad luck to come. How does that make any sense? Then he go, what star sign are you? He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, are you Aries, Pisces, Gemini, Taurus, Capricorn? And they actually believe this. <laughs> Those same fruitcakes, the Prophet said, I fear for my ummah, they deny Qadr and they believe in stars. And when we come across these people, fortune tellers believe in, you know, what <laughs> what they called astrologers. Right? He goes, what does Russell Grant say? You know, he's like their sheikh in it, mashallah, old Russell Grant. I don't know whether he's still alive, right? But may Allah give me that. <laughs> Well, imagine, and he's saying, oh, Qadr don't make sense. Right? You're thinking, listen, sort yourself out. You know, you're talking about something which is completely logical. 
and you are doing something completely irrational and you got the the goal to tell me that I'm illogical. And that's what the Prophet was highlighting, sallallahu alayhi wa And how could it not be when Allah Ta'ala's knowledge is perfect? And this also makes you very humble. Why? Because there's nothing you can do about it. Ultimately, there's nothing you can do about your, your fate and destiny. Even though you got complete freedom of choice. Why? Because Allah Ta'ala knows. He doesn't change his mind. It's not as if he's going to change his mind. Oh, no, no, he's, he's, he's pleased me now. So now he goes to paradise. He's changed his mind as a human quality. So again, this shows that you have to beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wholeheartedly that you know, he's pleased with you throughout your life. And all of this is commentary on this hadith of the sandals. You understand? This is why I'm mentioning it, hoping to explain this. And inshallah, we will continue tomorrow. So all I mentioned again today was basically two reports highlighting the deep love that Abu Hurairah had for our beloved messenger. And from those reports, we learn many a valuable lesson. Are there any questions we'll have to ask?